I imagine that right now you're feeling a bit like Alice. Tumbling down the rabbit hole. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Deeper down to the rabbit hole. Real metaphysics. Cutting edge topics. Results-driven, active spirituality. 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time live on the Parax Network. Also available on podcast at the iTunes Store. Well, all those technical gremlins that I talked about coming to pass. I'm here with my co-host Jason and Dorothy Morrison, who needs no introduction. She's written 15 books and knows how to both do a little controversy and stick up for herself. Because she's been in the business longer than me, Jason, combined. And with that being that she is literally the first I would consider superstar. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so, I'm so glad you didn't say that I've been in the business longer than God. That's good. Well, well, you know, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> of course, uh, you know, uh, we were talking about the internet gremlins and my system was hiccuping a little on the start. So there you go. I, I, Pretty much be gone, fall demon gremlins of the internet. Take part the way so that people may hear us clearly. So there you go. Couple minutes of a slow start, but hey, folks, thanks for handing in there, and we are really looking forward to tonight's show. Oh, we're going to have a lot of fun. Indeed. Well, with that, I had to give the introduction twice because it, uh, it was kind of uh, not working the first time because I forgot to unpress the mute button. And. <laughs> That's 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 Mercury retrograde plus working excessive hours plus you know going to school at the same time you start making those kind of stupid production mistakes so there you go. 
But uh, we really did mean it. You have over 15 books to your credit. Uh, you've been a sought-after pagan speaker in almost every festival that we can name. Um, you have your own product lines, um, which have... If you haven't seen those product lines for the people listening, they have interesting titles and funny. Oh, utterly hilarious. I love them. Well, you know, magic is supposed to be fun. Uh, you know, it's not, not supposed to be tedious. And I, and I think when you have interesting product titles and, and they're appropriate to the intent and purpose, it uh, actually makes people, you know, it encourages people to work the magic to better their lives. That is probably true, because they can laugh at it and have fun with it. It's, I know ceremonial magic, sometimes you get stuck in the spend years to learn how to pronounce things, and it's not a lot of fun unless you really like spending years learning how to pronounce one or two things. Well, you know, and, and I think ceremonial magic de you know, definitely has its, its place, but you know, usually by, by the time your average practitioner um, gets ready to, to, to work some, some kind of a, you know, a spell or do some kind of a ritual, you know, it's already damn near too, too late. They should have done it two, two weeks ago. And so they don't have time to, to wait for the appropriate hour and the appropriate minute and, and, and do all the research. You know, it's too late for, for that. And, and so, you know, that, that's why I pretty much, you know, prefer kitchen magic because I can do it when I need it. It doesn't take a lot of time, and I don't have to spend my life researching. Well, we're there with you, uh, you know. One of the things that I, I liked about Utterly Wicked was uh, you tell people, hey, if you don't have the exact formula, use what you got at your kitchen. Well, yeah. Yeah, you know, um, one of the, the the biggest problem that people seem to to have is um, making other people leave them alone, or you know, making them poof go away. <laughs> and and you know, you've got the the right stuff in your kitchen. You know, any kind of pepper combination. You know, everybody's got black pepper in, in their kitchen. Most everybody has has cayenne pepper. Almost everybody has chili powder and paprika, and you can mix that stuff up together, add a little sulfur, and of course, you know, a lot of people don't have sulfur just lying around, but, you know, scrape the heads off a couple of matches. Yeah, exactly, you know, yeah. You know, mash it all up together, and, you know, you've got hot foot powder, which, you know, sprinkled in somebody's path line, even, even uh, sprinkled on a candle, dur you know, during a spell will make the appropriate party go away. And unlike usually, unlike that, you don't have to pay like, you know, 20 bucks for the hot foot powder. Well, well, exactly. You know, I'm not even sure what, I've been making hot foot powder for so long, I'm not even sure uh, exactly what it goes for, but 20 bucks, damn, that's a lot. Oh, we got a shortage in Cleveland, so, you know, there's <laughs> got to go to the Apollo stores and pay the premium. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> well, see, and that's money magic for them. Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. it is. <laughs> Although I get a discount because they're like, well, you're a Hougan, you come in here like every couple weeks, so... I get it. Okay, discount. Well, now you have to understand something. You know, 20 bucks for a vial of hot foot powder, but for those who don't want to do the research, don't want to gather the ingredients, that's 20 bucks well spent. Oh, oh yes, it is. You know, and, and, and I do believe that, that people definitely have a right to, make, you know, make a living. But, 
you know, what I would like for, for people to realize, though, is that, you know, so, it's, it's Sunday afternoon. Your Botanica is closed. You need to do something now. Go to your kitchen and get it done. Well, the thing is, is I think there's a level of fear that comes with that. You know, oh, will I mess it up? Oh. And then there's also the secondary fear of like, oh, I can just go in my kitchen. I have to take personal responsibility for this work then. So that, you know. Well, you know, what? when I was a baby witch, I went through both those, those things. You know, the first spell I did, I, oh, my God, you know, I spent weeks preparing for this. And so the day, uh, oh, on the appropriate day and so on and so forth. And I, um, I you know, the, the day came and I did the spell. And when it was done, I thought, what the hell, you know, there, there, there are no bells and whistles. There, there, there are no sparkles. There, it, there's, there's nothing. Did the damn thing work? Mm-hmm. And, and it was amazing because by, by, by the next day, I could see that it had begun to work. I mean, there, there was no doubt in my mind. But, you know, that, that, that doubt, you know, grabbed me, too. You know, you know, did I screw something up? You know, is this all there is? And, you know, I, I think that, that the personal responsibility factor comes in, too. I think that people should never work any kind of magical effort that goes against their, their grain. If, you know, if it goes against their comfort zone, then they need to leave it alone. But if you're going to do it, own it. Well, that's a hard thing. I mean, especially given the uh, both of the cultures, both uh, the pagan occult culture and, and the normal culture, that keeps teaching us. Well, you're you know you have this entitlement. You know you you you, you don't have to compete for good grades. Everyone gets A's. So it gets it's getting tougher to teach people that to own that. And if they're not comfortable with doing something, maybe they shouldn't. <laughs> Well, you know, you're, you're, you're probably right that they shouldn't. You know, my rule of thumb is that I will not work magic uh, for any, anything that I wouldn't handle on a mundane level. For example, I'm not likely to just walk up to somebody and slap the hell out of them for no good reason. But neither am I going to hide behind magic to do that. And that's where I think taking the responsibility comes. You know, I, I, I do a lot of classes, and one of the classes that, that's very popular is a magical solutions class. And a lot of times, people will, you know, say, well, I've got this problem, and they'll line it out. And what they really need to do is confront somebody or make a phone call, but they don't want to do that. They want to handle it magically. So if you wouldn't do it mundanely, don't do it magically, and then you don't have a problem with, you know, with responsibility. That's word, wise words of advice. Now, if everyone listening could follow that, because in case you were wondering what the topic of the show was tonight, it's on curse work and financial magic. Um, so that's the first, probably one of the best rules you could do if you're not comfortable with it, and you wouldn't do it in person, don't do it. Yeah. I mean, one of the things is like I hear not so much from Wiccans, but from occultists will throw around death curses all the time. I'm like, would you take a gun and shoot that person? And they're like, no. I'm like, well, then what are you doing? Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I, uh, I, I did a curse one time, and I have to, to well, you know, I, I have done several, but uh, over the years. 
but you know this this particular curse that I did it took me four years to decide that something had to be done and I'm not going to go into the the big long drawn out thing just suffice it to say that this person wanted my life she was interfering in my magic she was interfering in my marriage (laughs) she was interfering with me financially and she was all doing it magically and so, you know, when I finally decided I needed to do something, I buried her in graveyard dirt. And someone said, oh, my God, Dorothy, you don't want to do that because it could kill her. And I said, you know, if I could get to her, I would do that with my bare hands and call the cops and, and, and tell them that I did it. I, but, you know, I put a back door in this curse. And the back door was if she would cease and desist and leave things alone she'd be fine so it was up to her and and I have to tell you that if I had read in the paper that she had died I wouldn't have batted my lash but I did not set out to kill her and I happen to know that she's walking around just fine but she has left me alone and that was eight years ago so you know what I did worked you know you know people can put a back door in things you know if, if they want to and if it makes them feel better. But one of the things that I don't suggest that people do with any kind of magic, and this is curses included, is put that little codicil in that says, and it harm none. Because what you do is you sabotage yourself. And it also gives you an out where you don't have to take, take any responsibility for it because, you know what, everything you do, even a money magic spell, could hurt somebody or affect somebody. That, that is certainly, well, I, I never put that in my book, so I can tell you that's not in my book and it harmed none. <laughs> um, well, you know, but because of that a reason, lot of different people, you know, from a lot of different traditions that, that listen to, to your show. I know, I know, I know. And, and, I know, and a, but, a lot of Wiccans specifically do that. And, you know, so, so what they're basically doing when they do that is they're leaving things up to the universe. And that's not really a very swift move because the universe is a mindless vehicle. You know, for example, if I get in my car because I'm hungry and I need to go to the grocery store and I sit there and I say, take me to the grocery store and I take no further action, I'm going to starve. You know, I'm going to have to turn the key, step on the gas maneuver the the wheel and navigate my way to the grocery store and such is the way of the universe if you leave something up to the universe the final result is not going to be anything like you originally envisioned because the universe takes the path of least resistance exactly inertia is the often the easiest thing to do which is nothing (laughs) yeah yeah so you know people need to take responsibility for, for what they're doing and they need to direct that energy you know, as magical practitioners, we direct the energy. We should never let the energy direct us. But when you do that, then yes, you do have to take responsibility, good or bad. I, th- I think, honestly, that's the biggest thing that in all my teaching of at these classes and, and various, maybe you've had a number of years where uh, you've had that too, is the real fear that you can make changes in your life and having to take responsibility for your life is probably the single greatest not spoken fear that I've seen in all the pagan classes I've ever teaching. Well, yeah, because cause if things go to hell in the handbasket, then you have nobody but yourself to blame if you take responsibility. But, you know, I've also learned over the years that nothing is so bad it can't be fixed. 
you know, if you if you discover, you know, the only people who who never make a mistake are people who aren't doing anything. And and so, you know, go ahead, jump out there. You know, do do what you think you've got to do. If you've discovered it was a mistake, then fine, you're going down the wrong path. Then go the other way. I mean, it's it's really pretty simple. I mean, I know I've had certainly uh, large explosions in the lab. Have you had any, uh, Dorothy? That Oh, hell yeah. See? <laughs> you know, you know, thinking, you know when, when I was a baby witch, my, my teacher told me, oh, my God, you know, you can't work magic. You know, don't, don't work magic. Well, you know, telling people not, not to work magic is like telling teenagers not to have sex. They're gonna. And so I did. And, and I made a mess of things. And I couldn't tell anybody I'd done it. And so I had to figure out how to undo it. And, you know, and that was an excellent teacher in itself. So, you know, I did clean up my mess. I did figure out what, what went wrong. I, I did get it all fixed. But, yeah, that was kind of an explosion. And that lasted several months. Now, dare I ask, because, you know, not all of our listeners know your, your history, your background. I don't know how much of your history and background you publicly speak about on a normal basis. But I have a curious question, such as, did you get into the occult because you were pursuing a religion or because you wanted to learn how to affect change? You know, um, neither. <laughs> okay. To, to, to be honest with you, you know, the, the occult had a hold on me uh, fr from the day I was born. You know, it chose me. I didn't choose it. Um, when, when I was little, I saw auras. And I did not know what they meant. I just knew that particular colors um, kind of shook me up some, and so I stayed away from those people. And I thought that everybody knew that people were colored on the outside. Oh. And that walked on until I was in first grade in the Catholic school, and they thought something was wrong with me because I kept coloring outside the lines. And so finally I discovered that my parents were going to take me to a big city doctor in Houston, Texas to find out what the hell was wrong with me. And, you know, kids are smart. And so I told them, oh, no, there wasn't anything wrong with me. I could color inside the lines. It was just, I was just messing with my teacher. Oh. Oh, there you go. And, and then when I was 24, I had a middle ear infection. And when that cleared up, I never saw ours again. And, and I realized, and first I thought that was horrible, and then I realized that I didn't need to because it had been a defense mechanism for me. You know, it, it was en enough to keep me away from people who might harm me. And at 24, I was old enough to decide for myself. Excellent. Interesting so, how that played out. Yeah. Yeah. So, now, see, I, I, I totally decided I didn't want anything to do with magic, and you see how well that worked out for me, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> you know, and and, and that, that's the way it works out for most people, because magic a appeals to the child within. And that's why we have all the pomp and circumstance that goes along with it. And, you know, I, and I think a lot of people miss that. Because it's, because it's the child, no matter, I don't care if you're a ceremonial magician or not, it's still the child that works magic. I, I would have to agree. I've been thinking about that a lot lately, and I think to, to really make your magic effective, you have to, my advice would be to think about how you viewed the world as a child. Yeah. And really explore what that meant. Just the, yeah. sense, the sense of awe. 
the idea that there were no limits. You didn't know limits. You hadn't learned limits yet. Oh, hell no. You know, you were 10 feet tall and bulletproof. Sure. And, and you're right. You know, you have to take that kind of attitude when you work magic. And, and this is why, you know, my, my products have such fun names because really and truly that appeals to the child within. I thought you were just that much of a showwoman. Well, you know, I am too, but, <laughs> but, but, you know, it's, it's my child within that, that is the showwoman. Now, I'm going off of memory from some of the products of yours that I've seen, but if since we're on the topic of cursing, don't you have an incense that's labeled sucks to be you? Uh, it, well, actually, I have a candle oil in incense that is called it sucks to be you, yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> See, and, if I ever come yeah. out with a product line, I'm going to try to like make creative names like that. Oh, hell, you know, my, my protection incense, uh, I mean, my, my protection products are called flying monkeys. I mean, who, who was protected better than the Wicked Witch of the West? Except, of course, for that little water incident, but, you know. That's what knows? I was thinking. So if someone uses Dorothy's products against me, I just got to get some water. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah, you know what? <laughs> I that, that, that little problem. <laughs> but, yeah, um, you know, because it does, it all appeals to, to, to the child. And, you know, it is the, the, the child that, that works the magic. Now, one of the things, uh, I mean, one of the things that, that, to sell your books a little, that I saw on uh, Utterly Wicked, was you had a pretty good set of uh, different uses from dirt from different graves. Oh, yeah. You know, um, graveyard dirt is, is absolutely wonderful. You know, there are those people who say, oh, you don't want to bring it in your house, you know, because it's bad luck. What? Well, you know, who, oh, oh, yeah. Who says that? <laughs> they're not, they're obviously not voodoo assants or anyone I've trained, right? Well, no, but no. But, you know, all kinds of people use graveyard dirt, but, oh, you know, don't, don't, don't sort in your house. Uh, you know, I've heard that. And, you know, I've never had a problem with that. I do think, though, that people need to be careful about, um, which graves they, they collect dirt from. To start with, I really do b believe that you need to go and to, to, to the grave and actually, you know, commune with the spirit to, and tell them what you want with the dirt and see if it's okay for, you know, for, for you to get it. And you will and you'll know, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, people actually hear, you know, a voice, you know, in their head. Uh, I'm not like that. I, I, I don't hear the, the voices, but... I get, you know, I, I get a feeling whether it's okay or it's not okay. And, yeah, and sometimes it's not okay. You know, if I don't feel good about it, I'm not going to do it. Um, but I, I think that, I don't think people should use dirt from, from graves um, where, where the um, tomb resident could never have experienced what it is they, that is your intent. For example, um, if I were going to, um, oh, get graveyard dirt, maybe even for a gambling charm, I would not get it from an infant's grave. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, okay. that, that totally, With, yeah. I mean, uh, no, this kind of thing. Um, if, um, you know, if I really um, needed um, some, some spiritual protection, I might get dirt from... 
uh, you know, another magical practitioner's grave if I had known that that practitioner and knew that, you know, that their their heart had been in the, in the right place. But chances are I might get that dirt instead from an unscribe. There you go. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, so you know, I mean, there, you know, I always try to to look at that. And when you collect dirt, I think one of the important things is, and I usually collect it in a Ziploc bag. And and I take a permanent marker with me, and I write down the information, the name, and the information on the tombstone, because you know, birth date, death date, the whole nine yards. Because later on, I'm not going to remember. But I can look at at this information on the bag, and I can tell. Okay, how old was this person? You know what? You know what was their profession? This kind of thing. So I know what to do. You know, if you're if you're looking for for dirt from from a gambling for a gambling firm, you know, my advice is make damn sure that the decedent was what was a lucky guy. You know, just because you're a gambler doesn't mean you want any money. <laughs> That's right. You could have oh, lost right. a lot of money. Although yeah. I could see some uses for a graveyard dirt of a gambler who lost a lot of money for an enemy. Yes, indeed, indeed. You know, I uh, I had. Uh, and, and I need some, some graveyard dirt, and they say that the, um, the the most powerful dirt comes from the um, closer to, to 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 the headstone, or from an open grave. And I had a woman in, in New Orleans chide me at one point because I needed some some graveyard dirt, and she said something about this open grave, and I said, "Oh no, I'm not going to do that, and you can't make me." And she says, "Well, you know, it's it's." You know, you're you're just scared. You know, it's it's the most powerful there there is. And I said, no, I'm not afraid to to use the the dirt. That's not it. I'm afraid I'll fall in the damn hole and won't be able to claw my way out because oh, I'm there you, go. See, yeah. you know, I said so that's <laughs> the problem. And so you know, she kind of laughed at that. That's where you go. Hey, I'll have my apprentice go get in the hole, get this, get some dirt, right? Yeah, but you know the, the other thing is too. They also say that that dirt should really be collected at midnight, and I, I'm going to warn people against doing that unless you have a family cemetery that you're collecting dirt from. Yeah, because it, most cemeteries lock their gates at, at, at dusk, and you know don't don't put yourself in a position to have to explain to the police why you're in the while you're in the cemetery when the gates are locked okay? in my my younger days <laughs> let's just say you're right don't do that mm -hmm. <laughs> from practical experience i could tell people don't do that <laughs> Yeah, oh, yeah and, and I'll say that I've had a couple close calls myself um, back in my earlier paranormal investigator days <laughs> yeah, you know, and, 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 and that's something I think that, that people need, need to realize. If you can avoid a problem, then avoid it. Yeah, I yeah. mean, that's the one thing about, uh, especially uh, with graveyards, like um, in famous graveyards, you definitely, the police are looking for that. You, you to do stupid stuff. I mean, there's a couple in Chicago I know about that. If you're in a cemetery you know, past hours, you're just going to get arrested because they know that people desecrate graves and stuff like that and they're trying to stop that. Yeah. Yes, yeah. it's actually quite unfortunate that, you know, in the past we've had folks actually go and snatch bodies for medical experimentation at the turn of the century and even once I was put to rest, we've had a long history of vandals 
kids going out doing occult things or what they think are occult things and yeah we all have to suffer now yeah yeah I will say this it looks like when you talk about graveyard dirt I, I see two major categories sticking out in my mind you have like sympathetic links to types of spirits a type of person whose spirit might be able to aid you but you also have locations the energy of a location such as a bank or a church or a courthouse yeah you know dirt is is great in any magical effort simply because it it is the earth on which we stand and live so it um, brings a certain amount of stability to do any magical effort um, for example if you know if you're having trouble with um, with the Internal Revenue Service. My, you know, my suggestion is um, get get dirt from, say, a tax preparer's office, or um, or even, you know, if it's gone to the point where you need a lawyer <laughs> from from an attorney's office. And what you do is on the on the back of of your tax forms or on the back of whatever correspondence that you have to uh, send to the IRS, lick your thumb, dip it in the dirt, and just smudge the back of every page. Then send uh, it off. Because, you know what, they, you know, they're not going to think anything strange about a, smudged, you know, a smudge on the back of your papers. But you sure. still sent the dirt. Yes, but officially, like, because I know a lot of people will do a lot of hoodoo, just remember, do not send the powder in the mail anymore. <laughs> That's exactly right. Although I have to tell you that I once, and, and, and this, was, this, this was after the anthrax scares, okay? But, 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 but I once sent just a padded envelope of graveyard dirt to a particular business. Not too happy with them, huh? No, no, I wasn't. And I even went to the trouble to mail it from a different state. No return address on it. Really not happy with them. Mm-mm. And, and, you know, and, and it, was, it was amazing because the bullshit stopped. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, if you get the graveyard dirt to them and it's properly blessed, it, it tends to take care of business very quickly. Oh, it was properly dressed. I was mad as hell. That, that, you know, and that's how I dressed it, honey. I was mad as hell. <laughs> and that's all it took. There it you was go. anger. <laughs> yep. Rage nice. is sometimes a gift, especially when you're doing this type of work. And one of the things we should talk about, because everyone on these types of shows always talks about it, and I, I think we're going to get not the standard party line, is, well, when you should you take aggressive magical action you know um, I think you need to, to think long and hard the, the, the first thing is you you need to have um, exhausted all of the mundane efforts to fix something okay so if it's simply a matter of gosh I really need to talk to this person then then don't be a wuss go talk to the person because a lot of times things do not require a curse it, it retires you know it, it requires some open communication <laughs> um, the other thing is I, I think 
people need to look long and hard at themselves and see if they have actually cursed themselves instead of someone else having cursed them. Because that happens a lot. I, I usually tell people that in situations they think they were cursed that 99% of the time it's probably lately gone because Matt, the stuff is so much more valuable. 90% of the time it's themselves. It's it's they haven't been cursed by external factors. Well, yeah. And you know, and and I find truly that seldom are people cursed by external factors. Um, you know, they 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 may be having a run of bad luck, but they usually have done it to themselves. And and so this is why they need to take a really close and brutal look at themselves and their own actions because the last thing you want to do is fling a curse out at whoever cursed you and discover that you've just cursed yourself yet again. So so you don't want to do that. Um, I I think that cursing is fine as as long as the practitioner, him or herself, is okay with it. You know, if that's what they really think they need to do, they need to do that. But I also think that it's probably not a good idea for folks to um, curse somebody that has maybe messed with their loved ones. And, and the reason for that is that it has nothing to do with ethics. It has to, to do with the fact that nobody likes a Budinsky. So you need to think about, are you buttoning into somebody else's life? Hmm. That's an interesting um, point. Yeah. Well, and, and the thing is, you know, I think that we're born in, into this world, each with a specific set of lessons to learn. I think everybody's lessons are different. And so if you take care of this business for them, are you preventing them from learning their lessons? Could be. Yeah. I, I generally, like, have come to the point now where if family members or like people who are friends come to me with me to do curse work for them I, I give them the normal price I give for curse work which is like thousands of dollars and they're usually like but 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 you could do this like in an afternoon I'm like well so could you well and, and you, you know what see I even go a step further than that I refuse to do it for them I'll tell them how to do it but I'm not I'm not going there. Uh, when, you you, know? when you get up past like ten, twenty thousand dollars that I'm quoting people, you know, I know the answer's gonna be no. <laughs> so, so honey, what, what I wanna know is have you had any takers on that? No comment for fear of self incrimination. Okay. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. That's, so, that's, that's kind of like Jason well, just a, a couple weeks ago asking me, is there an opposite to Reiki? And I had to go continuously on the show, like, we're not going to talk about that on the show. <laughs> well, uh, I'll, I'll, I'm going to personally admit to the audience that I, I was pushing that just to have a lot of fun. But I'll also say that uh, I think there's something to this logic because, as the old adage goes, if you give someone a fish, they're going to eat for a day. If you teach them how to fish, yeah, they'll eat forever. So, you know, I think the thing is, if people are willing to be magically minded, if they believe in the power of magic, if they're willing to shell out money to come and beg someone else to take care of their problems for them, yes, those life lessons on top of the fact of you should be taking personal responsibility to learn some of these tricks for yourself, that's a big life lesson. Well, yeah, and, you know... Um 
I, I think a lot of it is, too, that people truly don't believe that they can do it for themselves. Um, you, you know, if, if I do it for them, they, they think, oh, she's had experience, and, and so she, she won't screw this up. And, and so they, they, they believe in whomever will do it for them. But, you know, one of the reasons that, that I don't do things for people, it has nothing to do with any kind of backlash or, or any of that. And it has nothing to do with ethics for, too, too much for, for me either. But, you know, magic is kind of like brain surgery. You know, sometimes you just lose a patient. Mm-hmm. And, if, and if somebody has paid you money to do something and it doesn't work according to, to plan, then you have opened yourself up for all kinds of legal liability. You know, the, the, the ramifications now are just unbelievable, and I'm not going there. It, it's another one of those cases of if I can avoid a problem, I will. But now on the flip side of that, I'm sure we've all had experience with this the people who go around uh, cursing people every week <laughs> oh my god they made fun of my shoes curse them uh, like uh, you know i've seen that start cropping up as well you, you know and, and and that's true it does happen but um i i think that's kind of a a, a throwback to some folks who have read the Bible too, too much, do you realize that there are four times as many curses in the good book as there are blessings? Oh, now you're actually <laughs> making me want to go back and read the uh, Bible, because I did not realize that, and I've read yeah. the book. Yeah, it's, you, know, it's, it, you know, it's unbelievable. You know, after, after uh, you know, the, the Christian God cursed Adam and Eve, it was almost like he, he, got, he got the hang of it and he liked it. You know? And, and was enjoying himself with that. So, so yeah, go, go back and read that. You're going to be surprised at what you actually find. I probably will. I mean, like I'll be like, wow, there's a curse every five seconds here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Andrea, I'm going to back her up on that one from my past experiences. I know she's right. And I'll also make note of a lot of people, um, especially down the South, with the hoodoo practice and things like that, they use the Psalms as chance to empower their herbs and their spell work well there's a lot of really scary psalms that make really good charges for curses oh yeah and you know i'm not i'm not above um you know using a few of those the, those psalms my, myself and you know i i am a very eclectic practitioner um you know the, i started out uh for, formally in the Georgian tradition of Wicca. And the founder's thing was, if it works for you, use it, and if it doesn't, toss it out. But be creative. And so, you know, that opened up a whole new world for me, so I explored all kinds of different things. And I have, you know, I have particular saints that, that, that I work with upon occasion. Um, and, and a lot of practitioners frown on that. But, you know, whatever works, works. They frown on you having particular sites? Saints. Saints. Oh, saints. Oh, saints. Sorry, sorry. Uh, yeah. Th that's pretty... I mean, that's that's very... Ex I mean, it's up and coming with hoodoo being so popular as it is now, as well as the African traditional religions. I, I can't see where anyone would even bat an eye anymore. Well, y you know... Um 
Yeah, well, you know, people are funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah, that's true. They, they are. And, you know, Hoodoo is really a, a, an American um, tradition. Here's, here's a little tidbit for, for you that's kind of off the subject, but it, but it might, you know, interest both of you. Um, did you know that in Louisiana, it, it, the, the law read that all the enslaved had to be baptized Catholics? Yes. Okay. Hmm. And so what yes. they did was they hid their, their practices, the, um, you know, behind Catholicism. And Eloguan became St. Peter, because St. Peter held the, the, the keys, keys to the gates of heaven, yes. And, you know, and, and so on and, and, and so forth. And, and so this is why a lot of the, um, a lot of contra people use the saints in, in, in their practices. Yes, very interesting ciphers. I, I just can't understand why people would, would get upset about that anymore. I mean, there's, it's, it's kind of been so commonplace now, but you're right, people are funny. And Well, for, for example, you know, when I wrote Everyday Sun Magic, I wrote a thing about angels in there. And believe it or not, there were people who had a fit about that. You know, because, oh, my God, angels, you know, were, were, were Christian beings. And it was like, no, they're not. They're, you know, they're, they're pre-Christian. And not every angel, you know, you've got to be careful who you deal with, because not every angel is, is this one, wonderful little being. You know, some of them, you know, carry, carry mighty, you know, mighty swords and, and will flash you if you're not careful. So, uh, As me and Jason are well aware, we will tell you from personal experiences that not all angels are fluffy or nice. That, that's exactly <laughs> right. And so you have to, to be careful, you know, who you're calling upon to do what. That, that, that's probably an understatement. The angels would, are sometimes even worse than going to the other side because they have a notion of what is the greatest good. And if you come to them asking for something that is totally against the greatest good and you know it, they'll slap you for asking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but people think, oh, you know, I, I got that a little when I was first starting at doing pagan events because I would sometimes do angel rituals and people were like, what the hell is this? I'm like, um, ceremonial magic. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, the angels do tend to be, uh, oh, what's a good way to put it? In many, many different religions, you will find examples of angels. They may not always be labeled as such, but it's the same type of spirit. Yeah, but, now, you, know, we'll one of the, you know, one of the reasons that, that I use them in, in everyday sun magic was because angels are beings of fire and air. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, I'd have to agree with, yeah, in general, sure. Yeah. Now, um, did you want to get more into your how you were using them in Everyday Sun Magic while we're on that topic? Uh, yeah, as a matter of fact, there is a, uh, in, in that particular book, there is a home blessing ritual. And, um, and so I used the Archangels at, at the Four Points. But... Uh, here, here's a tidbit that most people don't know. That home blessing ritual is actually uh, came from the Catholic exorcism ritual that everyone is not privy to. And I witched it up. 
Very cool. Now, oh, oh well, I'm glad there wasn't a really dead silence there. Uh, I, um, I yeah. have the Catholic exorcism ritual, and I verify that it was right. Uh, um, do, do we speak of the Roman ritual or a different one? Uh, uh, Roman, I, I, for me at least. Okay, well, well, I have a different one. Um, my, well, my, my older sister is in charge of religious education for a particular diocese okay. uh, in, in, in Texas. And so I, uh, I have, when I was researching that, that book, I had her uh, hitting the archives for all kinds of crap for me. Nice. Oh, we'll have to talk off the show and see if I can score something. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, now we, we've been running the gambit for most of the show as far as your curse work and, and around that topic. But I know you also want to talk about money magic, and we're down to the final 15 minutes, so we probably should start heading that way. Okay. Um, you know, ev- everybody seems to be having a tough time because the economy has, has affected all of us. And, you know, people have, um, have, have the tools right in their kitchen to, um, to, to make a great um, money draw powder. All you need is cinnamon and basil. And I like to toss in a little brown sugar. Brown sugar sweetens anything. It sweetens the pot. You know what's hilarious, Dorothy? What? The first two things you mentioned, Jason has seen me make, like, money spells, pulling things out of the fly, and those are the first two things I reach for. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Because they're extremely, extremely powerful. And, and so, you know, you can draw money in, in, in the home. I like to um, actually brew that into a tea and take an old paintbrush and paint the tea across my doorstep. Um, I usually do the inside of my mailbox. Do your front door. It's great. Um, an, an, another way to keep money from running away from you is be sure to put all your toilet seats down. Because if you don't, your money will run down, down the drain. You know, people think, oh, that, that's too simple, that won't work, but trust me, it works. The, um, it, almost everybody has seen the little feng shui frogs that have the coin in their mouth. Those work fabulously. Um, but you have to place them correctly within your home. Always make sure that the ass of the frog is toward your door. All right, so it's carrying the money in. Carry, that's right. Carry the money in. Don't, don't, don't be pointing it the other way because it'll take the money out. My husband and I yes. were on a vacation in Hawaii, and I promised him that, we would not, that I would not do any appearances or do any work. It was just vacation. So we're in a T-shirt shop in a mall. And we, we, see, we see a T-shirt in there that I need to, to get for one of my friends, but the place is dead. And, I, and as I'm checking out, I notice that this guy has a feng shui frog, and he's got a ho-tie, which is the little Buddha-like character with this guy with his hands up in the air. And he also has a money tiki back there. And so I asked him if he actually sold the money tikis because I've been looking for one, and, you know, and it's not where it was. Uh, you know where I could get one so he tells me and then I asked him I said how's business and he said he said oh it sucks and I said here I said the problem uh, is that you've got everything arranged wrong he also had one of the little lucky cats 
back, back there in, in that grouping. And so I said, look, to start with, you know, your hoe tie needs to be t- toward your front door. It needs to face that way. Your, uh, your little lucky cat needs to be facing out, out your window because she grabs money as it goes by. And your, your feng shui frog needs to be, you know, faced this other way, you know, so that it's bringing money in. And he says, okay. So, and he does it while I'm standing there. And we walk out, and we go next door to this coffee shop, and I get coffee. And when we come back, that, that T-shirt shop is standing room only. Nice. Very cool. Nice. Very nice. And, and so I tapped on the window as we went by, and the guy waved and just grinned from ear to ear. And my husband says, damn it, I can't believe we came all the way to Hawaii for you to rearrange some guy's store. <laughs> but, 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 you know, really and truly, it does, it changes the energy. And, and so these are very simple things that, that, that people can do. Another thing that, that's really easy that they can do is when they pay for something with cash, always pay for it with a large enough bill so that you're going to get folding money back. When you get the, 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 the money back, make sure all the money faces towards you. Do it while you're standing there. Those people who are standing in line, they, you know, they, they can just wait a minute. And then take the money and fold it toward you. That's, that's, because, that's a great sympathetic thing there. Yeah, yeah. And, and then, then stick it in your wallet. You can, you can arrange it correctly later, but make sure you fold the money towards you. And, uh, you know, so, so these are really just simple, simple little things that, that will bring money in. I mean, uh, everyone, well, I don't know how many people pay for cash anymore. That's a whole different show, probably. <laughs> oh, no, honey. I pay for lots of things with cash. <laughs> you know, simply to... To, 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 to be able to fold the money to towards you, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, or even even when you, you know, if you go to the bank and you cash your check, do the same thing, you know, with, with the money when, you know, when they give you your, your cash back. Anytime you're getting cash back, do that. And, and it, it's amazing how that, that will change things for you. You know, just, just a thought, even a modern day equivalent stick the debit card back into your wallet facing you and then close your wallet towards you before you stick it back in your pocket. Sure. There you sure. Go. Yeah, you know, you, you, you can do that. got to write that down, Jason. You, you know, you, you can do that, you know, with your debit card. You can do that with, with a credit card. Sure. Absolutely. But, um, you know, the, the, the hot tie I, I want to talk about just, just a little bit because I know we've got just a few more minutes here. You know, pe- people go, oh, you know, Hotai, you know, what is Hotai? Well, you know, like I said, he's it, a little Buddha-looking guy that's got his hands up in there. And, uh, you know, you see those in all kinds of um, Asian restaurants, um, women who get their, their nails done in all the nail shops, you know, and they're always facing the, the front door. Um, I have a Hotai. And my husband, who is not really a practitioner, uh, has a great relationship with Hotai. I have always had him, you know, facing our front door, and we moved to this place, and, and the, the setup in the house, 
you know, things did, didn't look exactly right where I had to put her tie. He, he didn't look aesthetically beautiful in, in the setting if he was facing the front door, but he was always facing the front door. Well, I would go away on, on tour or something, and I'd come back, and he'd be facing inside the room so, you know, so it looked better because my husband had been straightening up. And so I would just, I wouldn't say a word, because when a man cleans house, you don't want him to stop. You want him to keep on doing that. So I was just trying to fetch you around. <laughs> so, so this went on for about six months. And one day he said to me, because he's experienced all kinds of strange things living with me over the years, he, he said to me, finally, honey, I just have to ask you, is, are, are you turning that statue around or is it doing it itself? So I, I laughed and I said, no, I'm doing it. And I explained why. And I said, you know, if you want to, you know, if, if you want to find money, you need to take Hotai out for, for a field trip sometime, dust him off real good, you know, rub his little head and belly. I want you to know that my husband finds money all the time. $20 at the car wash. $10 here and there. And it's all because this, this hotai is facing our front door where it can bring money into the house. Yeah, he definitely has a good relationship with it then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and but, you know, it, it, does, it changes the energy. It actually does draw money to you. Now, see, in all these years, I thought the little guy was just standing there raising the roof. Yeah, well, but, but you see, the Asian people have got it together. Do you know they are the only culture to, that have a specific, a specific deity designated strictly for money? Because they think money's good. There are certain Asian uh, countries where, um, you know, money is, is revered. If you drop paper money on the ground and it's blowing in the wind and you step on it to stop it, do you know it's a jailable offense? Wow. Oh. oh I didn't know because, that. Yeah, because money is important. And I think the reason that people have such difficulty with working money magic is because they think money's bad. But they need to change their perspective and see it for what it is. All money is is energy that is exchanged for things we want and need. That's it. Money is just energy. I don't know how many times I've said that. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> and well, you know, there's an old adage where I'm from. Clean money lasts longer than dirty money. Yeah. If you, if you earn your money through legitimate legal means, that is just fair exchange for the work that you have done. That is, There's nothing evil or bad about that. Well, there, there's not. But I got to tell you, even dirty money pays for research and, and for, for medication and all kinds of other stuff. So, you know, it it money. But you're right. Money is only as as good as as the the, the person who claims it. Yeah. Um, but I, I will say I I agree with what you're saying because I what I like about you is that you have a very balanced, even-handed perspective. Thank you. There you go, Jason. See. Reiki practitioner comes on the show and it's like, how can I screw somebody up with Reiki? <laughs> Someone comes on the show for curse work and you're like, oh, you have an even-handed balance perspective. Oh, oh God. So I guess now, now it's, not, it's not a good time to say I'm a Reiki master, right? <laughs> there you go. See, see, I share, this, share that as well. We got about 
four minutes left on the show, and I, I know I'm, I'm horribly usually bad because we usually just talk to the end, but how can people get a hold of you? Um, I should say, everyone listening, on deeperdowntherabbithole.com, we have several of Dorothy's books listed on her page for the show, but how can people get a hold of you? How can they book you if they want or get your products? Okay. Um, they, I've got several websites. My official website is DorothyMorrison.com, which is easy enough to remember, and there is a clickable link if they, they'd like to book me. And if they would like to peruse my products, um, they can go to WickedWitchStudios.com. And there are also clickable links where, where people can email me from, from either side. Well, there you go. Do you have any upcoming appearances? I, I know last few months have been kind of a little bit rough, but... Well, you know, I, uh, I'm, I'm not going anywhere for, for, for the rest of the year because I'm still nursing a broken ankle and leg. Well, I mean, we're both going to be at convocation, though, so that's people can start no, planning to go that. No, I'm not for convocation this year. Oh, not you're not. Then, well, then no. I'm going. I'll have but, to do something strange and unusual like I usually do. Well, well, yes, you will because because that's that's why we love you. For strange and unusual rituals where people complain that I either like wrecked their life or like created a whole new reality that they had to step into or some other extreme type of ritual that you usually don't see. Well, honey, isn't that why they, they, they keep coming? I think they, so. I think that's why Khan keeps having me come back. <laughs> yeah, you know, and you're the second person who has said to, to me, I'll see you at Khan this year, so I guess I need to see if they've got me up on the website because they never contacted me about it. <laughs> that might be something they might do. <laughs> uh-huh. Just because, you know, organization... Not usually everyone's strongest suit sometimes. Well, you know, I, I, I think that, that the reason that, that some people think I'm coming is because uh, occasionally they, they don't have the new appearances uh, up there, the, the new guest speakers up there for a while. They, they're still dealing with, the, you know, the, the old ones. And so I'm hoping that that's the case. But uh, anyway, but, but, but I love convocation and I'll miss you. I know. I'll have to have to see you the next time you come there. Yes, I will. I really appreciate you coming on the show. I mean, uh, this was a this was a great show. If you could just hang on line for a minute, I want to thank again the Illuminist for his fine music. Hopefully, the Gremlins got dispersed, and we can play it on the way out, and uh, you'll all be able to hear it. Uh, if you can't hear it, please in the chat room just tell me it's not working, so I could cut out. Thank you, and everyone have a good night.